You're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast. Helping you be your best physically, on the mats and off the mats. The BJJ Strength Podcast. With your host, BJJ Black Belt and Physical Optimization Specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. Hello, you lovely, lovely people. Um, This is the BJJ Strength Podcast. And if you can hear any background noise at the moment, it's because I'm driving in my car at the moment. Uh, I'm driving to the the, the Masters Worlds in, in Vegas. So I decided, you know, I'm actually driving on my own this year. Why not, you know, kill some of that time by talking about preparing for competitions? You know, what better time to do it other than when I'm going to... For, for me, you know, my, my biggest tournament in the year, and I think, you know, the biggest tournament in, in many people's years, actually, um, I think it could be the biggest tournament in terms of competitors. Um, and I think I'm about to miss my fucking turn in. Uh, so this is already off to a bad start. In fact, I've already um, had to stop the recording once because it cut out. Uh, so this is about the, the, the second or third recording. So this is this is the beauty of a live podcast while driving a car. Let's see if I can uh, get back on track because that's not good. That's not good indeed. But anyway, I'm going to carry on. Right, let's 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 do this. So yeah, I'm driving to the to the Masters Worlds, and I thought it'd be a really really good time to talk about you know preparing for competitions. I think it's a bit it's it's an important topic that a lot of people have struggles with and I want to try to talk about I think I'm going to do it in kind of a chronological order where you know what are the things that you should be thinking about in the months leading up to a tournament what are the things you should be thinking about in the couple of weeks leading up to a tournament and then right up to the the days um, before the competition and the competition day itself what are the things that you should consider but first I want to talk about why should you compete for me one of the biggest reasons to compete is some of the friendships and the relationships you build now that may surprise you um, that response yes I absolutely agree that going out and competing and testing your jujitsu is competition is going to be a great way to do that it's going to allow you to develop your game uh, see how you compare to other people identify your gaps just the fact of preparing for a competition is going to improve your jiu-jitsu and it's going to put a complete different focus on, on how you train. I absolutely agree 110% with all of that. But for me, one of the big things is, you know, when you when you travel to a tournament with your teammates on the road trip, spending all day at the tournament, you know, getting up early to go there, hanging around all day, waiting for your bracket, eating, you know, eating crap food, paying you know three hundred dollars for an acai bowl all of these things are they, they, they just those experiences when you go through them with your teammates i think you develop you know much deeper relationships much deeper friendships um than you would just training with people and i think it's often overlooked and not only the people that you train with and your teammates but the relationships you develop with the people that you compete with this doesn't happen for, 
you know, all tournaments. But when you start doing the, 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 the competition circuit, particularly the local tournaments, time and time again, you tend to run into the same people and you can tend to compete with the same people and over, over and over. And I've got some, some really good friends who I have met entirely through competing, uh, you know, competing against them and then seeing them at future tournaments and it's do you know what it's 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 a great it's a great experience right and it's a great way to, to to build relationships develop your network get out and see what's what's out there in the big bad bjj world and something that you know people people don't often talk about it's and the whole the whole host of experiences the emotional highs and the emotional lows that you can get from a tournament is something that i think most people with the exception of you know very few professions, lack in their day-to-day life. I had a good conversation with a friend, a fellow black belt, where he was explaining to me that you know I don't really get the big emotional highs I used to get when I was younger, you know, and get really super excited for for for, um, for certain things. But I think when you go to a tournament, when you go out there and you compete and you really throw things down and you know, win or lose, that emotional intensity that you experience is something that it's pretty hard to replicate in many other areas of your life. And something that, you know, from my personal experience, makes you feel alive. I know last year when I did the, the Worlds, or the Masters Worlds, I lost my first fight, uh, lost it on advantages, and I, was, and I was gutted. And I just went off, I went into the stands, sat there on my own for about about 10 minutes and you just got to have these emotions surging through you all these questions going through in your in your head but it's I know personally for me I you know I, I, you know, I never feel as alive as I do in those kind of moments so you know guys um, yes doing a jiu-jitsu tournament is going to be You know, a great way to develop your game, to expand your game. But some of the things that are overlooked are the friendships and the relationships that you're going to develop with the people that you train with, the people you're going to compete against, all the other characters you're going to meet at a tournament, and absolutely you're going to get some characters at a at a jiu-jitsu tournament. Um, but those that emotional intensity that it's pretty hard to replicate in many other areas of your life. And do you know what, guys? Give it, give it a go. Give it a go at least once. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But you're not going to know until until you try. So um, it's damn good fun, guys. It's damn good fun. So that's why I think you know people should compete. Uh, but before I get into some of the actual topics of the conversation uh, today, in terms of preparing for competition, I just want to talk about a bit about my experience and why I think you know. Hopefully, you can get some get some value from what we're talking about today and you know I haven't got notes in front of me as I said I'm recording this in the car so apologies if the sound quality isn't great but let's see if I you know how it turns out in the end but I haven't got notes with me I haven't got my computer in front of me I can't call on those things today so I'm going to talk mostly about my personal experiences um, and I you know I've competed not as much as some but probably more than milk probably more than most. Since I started Jiu-Jitsu, after about five or six months as a white belt, I started competing and have competed regularly ever since. And that was way back in, would have been, I think, 2007. 
and it's now 2008. I think I've done in the region of about 50 jiu-jitsu tournaments. Uh, I don't do as much as I used to uh, since having kids. Uh, you know, obviously my time is, and happily so, invested elsewhere. But, you know, I've, I've done a lot of IBJJF tournaments. I've competed interla- internationally many times. You know, travelled a lot to do the Europeans when I was living over in the UK. Done a lot of uh, local tournaments. Done a few submission-only, submission-only tournaments, 15-minute uh, round tournaments. And, you know, I've, I've done okay. Um, you know, most notably... Uh, you know, getting a silver at the Nogi World Masters Black Belt a couple of years ago. Uh, got silver Masters Brown Belt in the Open Weight to the Europeans. Got a bronze in the Masters at the, the Pan Ams this year. So I, you know, I've, I've 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 done okay. I'm not you know this this show and this podcast today is not going to be. This is exactly what you need to do to become a world champion. But I think you know I've got some lessons that I've learned along the way in terms of uh, you know both competing. Uh, you know, learning from my training partners and my coaches and also from, you know, coaching people myself in terms of what I think is, you know, a, a good way to think about or a good, let's call it a, a broad framework to help you compete, particularly if you're early on in your jiu-jitsu career. So I wanted to put out that, put that out there before we start. But let's get into the meat of this conversation. Let's think about, okay, what are the specific things that I think you should be thinking about that are going to help you prepare for your competition. And I'm going to, you know, as I said at the start, I'm going to structure this in terms of, you know, the months leading up to a tournament, the weeks leading up to the tournament, and then the final days just before the tournament. So, first of all, you've decided that you're going to compete. You've either registered or you're about to register for a tournament. And one of the first questions that you probably want to be asking yourself is, what do you want to get from that competition? I'll say that again. What do you want to get from that competition? I think we can make the mistake or feel that it's almost needed from us that the main objective from any tournament is to win. And that doesn't have to be the case. There are many ways to define success in a competition. Just let's say you're someone who's really nervous about competing, you've never done any competitive sports before, but you want to push yourself out of your, out of your comfort zone. Do you know what? Success is just getting your foot on the mat and competing. The result after that, personally, I think is just not important. That's, if, you're, if you're someone who's overcome that kind of mental barrier, that's a huge success already. But it's only you that can determine what you really want from that tournament. Maybe you want to be a serious competitor. You want to medal at big tournaments. You want to make a name for yourself in jiu-jitsu. So the way, that you are, the way that you're going to prepare for that competition is going to be very, very different from someone who just wants to get on the mat, just wants to you know, get out of their comfort zone, Maybe test themselves a little bit. See what this see what this jiu-jitsu tournament thing is all about. And for me, I think asking that question then determines your training. If you want to be a serious competitor, then you probably you know should then be willing to sacrifice a lot more things outside jiu-jitsu to help your jiu-jitsu career in terms of looking after your body, the way that you eat 
maybe not drinking as much on the weekends, not partying, you know, committing that time to looking after your body off the mat in terms of strength and conditioning, in terms of mobility. But if you're someone who's got a full-time job, you've got a family, and you just want to give it a go, that's, that's, that's perfectly okay, right? The, only you can determine what you really want from that tournament. And yes, you know, the, the, better, the better you prepare for that tournament, the more likely you are to enjoy it. But should you then go out and sacrifice, or sorry, go away and sacrifice some of those things in your life as much as someone who wants to be a serious competitor? Do you know what? Probably, probably not. You know, if what you want to get from that tournament is very different to what someone else wants to get from that tournament, then the cost that you want to invest or the price that you're willing to pay is probably going to be different. So that that's, you know, what I would say to you first of all is once you've made that decision to compete, set that objective, decide what you want from that tournament and then use that to guide your training. So in terms of guiding your training, the next thing I want to talk about, and this is more applicable probably to the people that want to be serious competitors, is thinking longer term in terms of your training. If we look at some of the more mainstream sports, and particularly if we look at Olympic sports, those people, those athletes, those teams are not thinking three months before the tournament right let's get let's, let's start training hard let's let's work on our game plan let's really push it now yes they're going to be pushing it leading up to the tournament but they've been they've probably been planning their training for three four years or maybe longer now i'm not saying that you have to have a three or a four year game plan to be a really really good competitor but I think taking more of a long-term view on your competition training and looking at the smaller competitions that you may want to do leading up to some of the bigger tournaments, thinking about how you can put a proper 12-month training cycle in in terms of your, your strength and conditioning, how you can slowly change your nutrition and your lifestyle to make you a better athlete. You want to be thinking about those things much longer term what I see people typically doing which is in the last couple of months okay I'm going to start taking supplements I'm going to start lifting weights it's too close to the tournament you're not going to get enough benefit you're actually far more likely to you know um, have a much bigger cost on your body and take away from your jujitsu compared to someone who gradually introduces these things gradually introduces nutrition gradually introduces that strength and conditioning 12 months out or longer leading up to a big tournament so that's you know what i would say is try to if you are a you want to be a serious competitor take some lessons from some of the more mainstream sports and think about you know a 12 18 24 month plan you may not hit your goal straight away but if you keep at it you keep at it long long enough hopefully you will but you're not going to do it if you only take it seriously in the last couple of months take it seriously much much further out think longer term and i think you're going to get much more benefits from that um that doesn't mean that you need to be training flat out and be training really hard all that time but it just means it's more of the focus 
thinking about your planning, thinking about what you're going to work on in terms of your game, how are you going to introduce strength and conditioning, and the strength and conditioning needs to be done with proper cycles, um, a proper periodization, proper planning, but it just think longer term, guys. I see I see the mistake too often, and I think it's you know it's a big lesson that we can all take from some of the more mainstream sports, particularly when you look at some of the Olympic sports. But what, you know, if you are thinking longer term, what are the things that you should be considering? Well, I think one of the things that anyone should consider leading up to a tournament, if they want to, you want to do their best, is identifying your weaknesses, but also identifying your strengths. And I'll explain why you should need both. Quite often we talk about focusing on your weaknesses, and by focusing on your weaknesses, that makes you better. And I 100% agree with that. So what you should um, what you should be doing, and I do this. I know all of my all of my training partners who are good competitors. They do this. They look at the holes in their game. They identify the holes in the game where they have weaknesses. Maybe they have weaknesses in uh, takedowns or throws. Maybe you've got a weakness in guard passing. Maybe you've got a weakness in uh, passing the guard. Speak to your training partners. Most importantly, speak to your coaches. Speak to the people that know your game the best and can give you an honest opinion of where you have gaps in your game. And then find ways to fill those gaps. See if you want get, you know, to get a better guard game, and let's say you've decided that spider guard is going to be your game, find the best people in your gym that have spider guard and ask them, train with them. Ask them, you know, what they do, how they develop their game, and, and you know, get help from people. I'll give you one personal example of mine. My judo, my throws, has been a weakness in my game right from the get-go. You know, I can I, I can defend takedowns, but I've I've never been a great person at taking things down. So leading up to this tournament for the last two or three months. I've been working with a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Patrick Dooley, if you're listening, who's a judo black belt, and going up and training with him and working on a game plan for my takedowns and for my throws. It's, it's a simple game plan because I haven't got great judo, but I've, I've gone out, I've identified a weakness, and I've found someone that can help me. And the more that you can do that, whether you're a hobbyist or a serious competitor, it's going to make you a more complete jiu-jitsu fighter and that's going to do nothing but help you in terms of your your, your, your tournaments if you don't know or don't know really where to start in terms of identifying your weaknesses asking people is going to be a good way to go but I think a good general principle is looking at these uh, you know three areas that you're undoubtedly going to end up at some point in a fight first and foremost you're going to be on your feet so working on something either in terms of having a very good guard pull or having takedowns or throws is one key area that you should always have in your game the other area is having at least one good guard game that you can call on and one good passing game that you can call on you know it, it's it's ne- it's inevitable that you're going to have you're going to end up in at least two of those positions in a competition, probably probably three. And you can look at escapes and knowing to escape from key positions, yes, that's important. 
but in terms of three broad areas to have you know, to be to be strong in, I think that's a good place to start for most people. You know, you're going to have to start on your feet at some point. You're probably going to be in guard, or you're going to be um, in the bottom and guard, or on top trying to pass someone's guard. Nine times out of ten. So having good go-to positions in that is going to serve you well as a general pr- principle, particularly if you're you're starting off um, very very early in your jiu-jitsu career. So identify your weaknesses and find ways to work them. Ask for help of your training partners, your coaches, the people that you know can help you. You know, bridge some of those gaps. It's going to serve you well. But the other thing is focusing on your strengths as well. I was speaking to my coach, uh, Mr. Tom Cronin, or Professor Tom Cronin, last week, and just asking some advice from him. And he made a, a really good point that only now. You know, at this point in my career did it really hit home when he made the point is you know spend time when you're fighting someone in a competition trying to get to your strong positions and get to your strong positions quickly those positions where you know you can then settle in and work from and get into a rhythm and it was when you think about it it's really obvious but something about the way he said it just the penny just dropped for me um but you can only do that if you know what your you know what your strong points are, know what your strengths are. So spend some time identifying what your strengths are as well, uh, so you know that when you're in a tournament, these are the things, these are the positions that you want to be working towards. And there are you know countless competitors. The Miao brothers are really really good examples of that that have built their game on pulling guard, bearing bolo, and taking the back. Yes, they've got a lot more complete jujitsu than just that, but they they, they specialise and they've built amazing careers. Um, by focusing and getting to their strong positions very, very quickly. So focus on your strengths as well, so then you know, okay, these are the positions that I should be going to and these are the positions that I'm really strong in. And if you don't know what your position, your strong positions are, again, ask your training partners, ask your coaches, and get help from them. But all of this leads into you know the, the next and last point in the kind of things that I think you should be thinking about in terms of preparing for a jiu-jitsu competition and that's to start building a game plan now i say the word game plan and the game uh, the word game plan can conjure up images of flow charts big notepads with mind maps all of the all trying to cover all of the different permutations that you could possibly encounter in a jiu-jitsu match but a game plan doesn't need to be complex game plan can be as simple as I'm going to go in, I'm going to get my grips and I'm going to pull to close guard and that was my game game plan for a long long time and it worked fairly well for me, you know I, I, you know, I won quite a few tournaments, I lost quite a few tournaments as well, I'm not saying it's a, you know, it's not a perfect game plan because you know I'd have perfect jujitsu but the point is a game plan doesn't need to be really specific really detailed you just need to have a way to start the fight and a way to get the competition going in your favor that's all it needs to be so think about all the things that you know like developing your you know your weaknesses identifying your strengths and try to bring that trying to bring that into a game plan and don't make it too complex something that's really simple something that you can remember when you go out there and you're still feeling nervous and something that you can fall back on it's gonna it's really gonna serve you well and from you know my experience and all of the people that I've I've trained with I've competed against 
the people that I've coached, those that have a game plan and have a strong idea of how they're going to start a fight. And this is just observational, right? This is not a scientific study, but I think they tend to do you know, much better in a tournament. They may not always win, but they tend to feel a lot more comfortable and tend to fight a lot better than the people that go in and, and wing it. But just winging it, you know, I know people that do that as well, but my advice is try to get a game plan. So these are all, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about, you know, some strength and conditioning and setting your objectives, how to plan longer term if you're a serious competitor, um, identifying your weaknesses and your strengths and building a game plan, all of these things that I think are, you know, big factors and big decisions and, and big, you know, questions you should be asking yourself, um, you know, several months out from a tournament. But what happens when you get much closer to the tournament? The, you know, getting into the last month or the weeks leading up to a jiu-jitsu tournament. And the biggest thing I want to talk about, and I've, I must have talked about this in about three or four of the episodes already, and, and given that this is only, I think, episode seven, it's, you can tell it's a pretty, important to- a pretty important topic. And that is tapering your physical training the closer that you get to a jiu-jitsu tournament. So what I mean by that is the big mistake that a lot of people make is doing too much volume in their strength and conditioning off the mat leading up to a jiu-jitsu tournament and they add more volume they do more strength and conditioning the closer they get to a tournament where what you want to be doing and I've coached dozens and dozens of people to do this and it works nearly every time in terms of that person being in the best physical shape on the day of the tournament and that is it's almost the reverse the closer you get to a jiu-jitsu tournament you want to be tapering off the volume of the strength and conditioning that you do off the mat. You may you reduce the sets, reduce the number of reps you're doing, and probably up to you know a week or two weeks out. Sorry, I'd say about two weeks out. Then you want to be looking at higher intensity, but much less volume. So you may do you know two to three sets of some power exercises whereas before you were doing five to six reps of three to five sets so you do less reps and less sets but maybe at a higher weight so you're peaking in terms of your power peaking in terms of you know your strength and your speed depending on what exercises you're doing but you're tapering down on the volume about two weeks out and then once you're you know after two weeks out I think for most people taper down the intensity as well you know try to think about peaking about two weeks out and then start to really taper down the strength and conditioning and in the last week before a tournament do you know what you can probably do yourself a favor and not do any strength and conditioning if you really feel like you do it do one session but you know at 50 percent intensity just something to keep the central nervous system primed but it's not really i don't i don't see it as a workout um this is what I advise people all the time, one of the biggest mistakes I, pe- I see people making when it comes to leading up to a tournament. And I was working with someone uh, online very, very recently and advising them in terms of you know, tapering down that strength and conditioning in the last two weeks, the week before the tournament, and then using that additional time to focus more on skill-specific work. And the feedback is almost always the same. I felt so much better physically 
you know, I was able to fight better, I felt fresher, I had more energy, I had more of, more of a spring in my step. It's, and we look at all the research in terms of prop, prop, proper periodization of strength and conditioning leading up the sport in tournaments, then it, it, it follows this same pattern of, you know, you peak, few weeks before the tournament but uh, uh, you know but you know you increase the intensity but you're reducing the volume and after you've reached that peaking phase you really taper down on the volume and the intensity so you can focus more on skill specific training in jiu-jitsu um so that that physical tapering is is a really big factor now do you need to do that for every single tournament if you're someone who's training you know every you know every month then probably not, you know, it's going to be for the big tournaments, or the tournaments where, to use an example, you know, tomorrow, there's for me to get to the final, I've got to win five fights, and then six fights to win the gold. I know it's going to be a bigger tournament, I know there's a lot of people in it, if I know I'm only going to get one or two fights, then maybe that physical tapering is less important, if I've got less onus on that particular tournament, then the amount, I, I would taper off the strength and conditioning, also changes as well, but yeah, this this is. But if all if all of that has just gone over your head, if I'm rambling on a little bit, just take from this little section, it's this one point away. When you're leading up to a jiu-jitsu tournament, you shouldn't be adding more off the mat conditioning in the last couple of weeks. You actually want to be reducing that off the mat conditioning, whether it's lifting weights, whether it's running, whatever the case may be, and focusing more on your jiu-jitsu and it's that mat time that's ultimately going to make you better and make you you know perform better in a co- in a competition the only exception i would add to that is maybe mobility work provided it's low intensity mobility work because you want to keep your body healthy but everything else really taper it off and that leads into my next point which is kind of the one in the same when it comes to uh you know the last couple of weeks leading up to jiu-jitsu subtract as much else from your training or any pre-competition preparation as you can apart from the jiu-jitsu adding more jiu-jitsu time in the weeks leading up to it and it doesn't need to be intense training it could be drilling just doing reps with people it can also be low intensity but adding the more more jiu-jitsu specific training in the last few weeks leading up to the competition is going to serve you better than adding all these other things in and we've talked about the strength and conditioning and the physical off the mat preparation but let's talk about you know nutrition as, as, as another one I think people can start worrying about what should I be eating you know let's get I'm going to get all these supplements I'm going on a nutrition plan and I'll talk later on in, in the show specifically about what to eat in the, lead, in the days leading up to a competition but you know, the more that you add in to your training or anything else that supports your training leading up to the competition, I think just can add more stress to you as an individual, can add more stress in terms of how you need to perform for the competition. And it's just another thing to think about when really the ultimate thing we should be thinking about is our jujitsu. So you know, if, if nutrition is that important for you in terms of your performance, if something like, you know, doing yoga off the mat is that important for your performance, you know, don't suddenly add it all in in the last couple of weeks and put something new on your plate. If it's that important, 
you should be doing this months and months before the tournament and it goes back to the point earlier about longer term planning but you know try to subtract all of the other things you're doing apart from the jiu-jitsu take that time and take that mental energy and focus it on jiu-jitsu specific practice lots of stuff that's ultimately ultimately going to help you not this you know there's there's going to be no silver bullet that you can take off the mat that's going to make you suddenly a world-class competitor and suddenly it's going to allow you to to win to win the tournament there's no silver bullet on the mat that's suddenly going to allow you to win the tournament but the point is I see too many people worrying about I'm cleaning everything up in my nutrition you know I'm really focusing in on my sleep I'm really focusing on my strength and conditioning and all of these other things just focus on the jiu-jitsu subtract all these things in the last couple of weeks and focus on the jiu-jitsu I hope I'm I think I rambled a little bit on that one but hopefully that point comes across now we'll see we'll see but the next thing I want to I want to talk about is monitoring your weight um and this is something that I've I've learned over time and something I know that you know I've got a good friend of mine Ross Nichols who actually is coming on the show hopefully next week and he's one of the you know most prominent uh I think the most prominent British born black belt competitor in the UK and has won some you know some some really high accolades in terms of uh you know co- competition at, at adult level and I, I learned this from Ross and it's about monitoring your weight leading up to the tournament and seeing how it reacts to certain things that you're putting into your body and what I mean by that is let's say you've got to be 208 pounds and that's what I've got to be tomorrow so I picked the 208 pounds to be heavyweight tomorrow and I, you know, for the, the weeks leading up to the tournament, nearly every day and probably three times a day, I'm checking my weight. I'm checking my weight, of course, with the gi on, but I'm checking my weight after I drink a litre of water. I'm checking my weight after I've eaten certain foods, um, both immediately after eating certain foods, but also the morning, the morning after eating certain foods. So I'm seeing how my body reacts to what I'm eating what I'm drinking and what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis so I know that you know come the last couple of days from a competition I know I'm okay to eat some sweet potatoes and chicken and salad because my body doesn't you know it, it, it doesn't add too much weight to my body it doesn't make me retain too much water and I know that the next day I can eat that I can hydrate well I can drink a liter of water put my gear on and I'm on weight so I'm not leaving that, and I've never left that till the last couple of days for uh, before a tournament. I'm monitoring, you know, qu- you know, quite regularly. And the more you do this, the better, the better that you get at it. But if you know, you know, two weeks before that when I put my gear on, when I eat this meal the night before, if I have a banana in the morning and a liter of water, I'm on weight. As long as your weight stays consistent, you know that you can hydrate and fuel yourself fairly well coming up to the competition but you also know that okay if I want to be um, I've never been a big fan of, of cutting weight I've only ever done it once or twice I'm more of a fan of you know losing weight and making weight naturally because I like to hydrate and I like to eat and I like to fuel myself properly for the tournament um, some people like to cut weight you know I'm not the best person to get advice from on, on that but I know that um, you know leading up to a competition 
if I eat certain foods, where my weight is going to be. So if I know that I want to eat a meal of sweet potatoes and chicken and salad the night before, my breakfast is going to be some eggs and some fruit and some water. Um, if I know how my weight reacts, I know between now and the next two weeks, I need to lose about two pounds, two pounds of fat to be able to do that. So it's, I think, you know, I, I, I've done this for quite some time and I know a lot of people, a lot of other people do it, but you know, monitor your weight and monitor to see how you, uh, to see how your weight reacts to how you're training, to what you're eating and to the kind of, you know, what, what you're drinking. Don't leave it to the last minute. Um, it's fairly simple, but not everyone does it. But anyway, that's uh, you know another another bit of advice that hopefully hopefully serves you well. It served me well. But here's the in terms of the weeks leading up to the tournament. Here's the the last bit of advice I'm going to get into in, in terms of you know the actual days leading up to the tournament and the day of the tournament. And it's this: people read the fucking rules. Read the rules. I know people that have gone to tournaments and they've literally had to cut the bottoms off their shorts because their shorts didn't meet the Norgi uniform requirements. I know people that have misread the rules and been disqualified in the first minute. I know people that have misread the weight classes and missed weight by six pounds. Read the fucking rules. It's really, really simple. Um, but people don't always do it. I'm not saying that you need to know every single in and out of the rule book, but know the basics in terms of the weight class. Know the basics in terms of the uniform requirements. Know the basics in terms of the rules and the, and the big normals that you can and you can't do. The last thing you want to do is either be there and add more nervous energy on top of you know already what's going to be an emotional day for most people and then we're having to run around and find a pair of scissors in the middle of a sports hall and cut the bottom of your norgi shorts off I, I, <laughs> I shit you not right this this actually happened this person if they're listening um, I won't name you but they had a pair of um, black shorts with a camouflage strip along the bottom and he went and he cut the bottom of his shorts off because it was a IBJJF Norgi tournament and they've got very strict rules. And then he had to cut the shorts off and he looked like like a caveman. With, they were all frayed and I think he ended up having to get a completely new pair of shorts. You don't want that stress. But you do not want that stress on, on right before a tournament. Um, I'm going to share another funny story. It's kind of about knowing the rules. But it's not, but it's funny. So I think it's funny anyway, so I want to share it with you. So there's a guy, um, another good friend of mine that I've made through competing. But he'll remain nameless. And we were blue belts. And he turned up at a tournament. And he registered under a different name. So this was, wasn't was it's a local tournament, not IBJJF, so you didn't need to use ID. He registered under a different name. And his... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm laughing just thinking about the story his um, his logic was I didn't want anyone to know I was coming I wanted to surprise people you know I didn't want my name to be in the bracket which has some kind of logic I suppose <laughs> but the, what, the, what happened was they were calling out this fake name that he used so they keep calling the name out over the tannoy they keep calling the name out but of course it's not his name he's not you know he's not used to 
year in his name and reacting to it and he got fucking disqualified because he used that fake name I swear to god that's a true story and uh I laughed my ass off at the time and I, I still find it still find it really funny today but I'm, I'm kind of going off kind of going off topic but read the rules people back to what I was talking about is read the rules know what's going know what's going on you know ju- jiu-jitsu tournaments can be um stressful enough as it is it's a bit of emotion, an emotional roller coaster, but you don't want to add more stress on by fucking up the uniform requirements or missing weight because you, you, don't, you don't know what's going on. It's, you know, spend 20, 30 minutes, know what's going on, and, and different tournaments have different rules. So don't fall foul of that as well. If it's not an IBJJF tournament and you're not new with the rules, not up to speed with the rules, check out what's going on know where you stand but even for IBJJF they, they, they change those rules guys and the rules differ by differ by um, by belt level so know what's going on but anyway let's say you've registered for your tournament you've set your objectives you've planned long term for your training you've got your game plan you've tapered off your physical training perfectly your weight is on point and you feel great feel really good Um, and it's about a week out maybe a few days out for the tournament and the next biggest question that I get in this time period is what should I eat what should I eat in the days leading up to a jiu-jitsu tournament I'm going to keep this simple I'm going to make two points and two points only the first point is this if you always eat a certain food, lead, you know, leading up to, not a competition, sorry, but if you always eat a certain food before you train and your diet is a certain way, then if you perform well in training, if you've got the energy in training to fight five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten rounds and you feel good based off that, way of eating then eat that same way leading up to the tournament why suddenly you know change everything you eat in the last couple of days and just add more complexity on top of a jiu-jitsu tournament yes absolutely eating a certain way and proper nutrition is much it's proper nutrition the right nutrition I should say is very important in terms of sport performance but if you've not fixed your nutrition and you haven't got good nutrition right up you know three four five days before a tournament that's not the time to change what you eat stick what stick with what you normally eat and what normally makes you feel good and allows you to perform well in training again it comes back to planning longer term if you think your nutrition needs work it's not in the three or four days before competition there's some you know obvious stuff like avoid processed foods uh, you know avoid too much sugar um, but if you know you perform physically well eating a certain way in training all the time then the chances are that same kind of eating is going to serve you well coming up to a competition as well so 
yes there are better ways to eat for better sports performance but I'm not going to talk about it now this is not the place and it's not the time to fix it right before a competition I think that needs to be a whole other episode so that's the point I would make is when you get close to a competition the first point I'd make about nutrition and what you should eat the second point is going to be around you know making weight now we've talked about this already that if you know if you eat a massive steak a big ton of potatoes the next day you're going to be four pounds heavier and you know you've got to be you know your weight is pretty close to a tournament then you probably don't want to eat those kind of foods leading up to the tournament and when, when you're going to weigh them in the last couple of, in the last couple of days before a competition your calories are going to make very little difference in terms of in terms of your weight in terms of burning fat losing fat or putting on more fat in the last couple of days what's going to be more important is how that food sits inside your body your ability to digest it and get rid of it the next day but more importantly um, what that what, what that food does to you in terms of in terms of water retention um, and what there you know if you if you're if you're an athlete that is you know eats a very high fat diet then suddenly consuming a lot of carbohydrates can you know um, increase the amount of water retention in your in your body so again it goes back to in the, in the weeks leading up to the tournament and monitor the kind of things you think you're going to be eating the day before the tournament the couple of days before the tournament and see what that does to your weight but the biggest thing in terms of uh, you know water retention and that, what that means in terms of your weight the next day is salty food if you eat a ton of salty food a day or two before the tournament uh, the, ch- the, ch- the chances are um, the chances are that you're um, you're going, to hold, you're going to hold a lot of water and then you're going to struggle to make weight the next day. So, they are the only two points I'd make about what you should eat leading, lead, leading up to a tournament. Um, is, you know, if you eat a certain way and you perform well from eating food in a certain way in your training, the chances are that same kind of food is going to do you well just before a competition as well. If you think you need to fix your nutrition, the last couple of days before the tournament is not the time, is not the time to be doing it. But the other thing is, you know, thinking about then how that food impacts your weight. Um, and the calories are not going to make much of a difference in terms of adding fat or losing fat at that point in time. It's more going to be in terms of how that weight, that food gets digested and sits in your system or gets rid, gets out of your system or water retention. And there's, I'll share another interesting story. I, I was told by um, one of the guys from Progress Jiu-Jitsu, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this story, but he does a lot of work with Eduardo Tellez. If you don't know who Eduardo Tellez, Eduardo Tellez is, first, learn to pronounce his name because obviously I can't. But second, look him up. Uh, a really well-renowned uh, Brazilian um, black belt. You know, competed in a lot of things, a bit of a legend in the sport. But I, I, I was told a story that he was competing at the Europeans in Portugal. I was at the same tournament. And one of the guys from Progress told me that actually it may not have been Progress, I lie, but I'm going to promote Progress Jiu-Jitsu here anyway because I do a lot of work with those guys and they provide me with my keys. It's an awesome key company, guys. Progress Jiu-Jitsu, um, little impromptu advert. Actually, it, it was the, the the Tatami guys because I know I know them pretty well. And 
I was told that apparently uh, Tellez went out for a meal, Portugal or Lisbon, where the, the, the Europeans is held, is well known for its fish. And he went out, had a big uh, uh, meal of fish that was really salty, and then suddenly he was, he was eight pounds overweight from all the water retention. And I don't know how true that story is, but that's what I, I was told. It can happen. So just be careful with what you eat and you know how that impacts water retention in terms of, in terms of making your weight. Um, what else was I going to say? So that was about yeah, what you what what to eat and what not to eat. The one what the one piece of advice I would say that works really well for the day of the tournament, if you want to try to fuel yourself, and but you're really concerned about making weight, is honey. I think honey is a very very good way to have you know very small mouthfuls of it. You don't want to have a whole you know big glut of honey and have all this sugar rushing into your system and then crash but if you're you know if, if you're just trying to keep you know your, your blood sugar levels constant and you haven't been able to eat honey is a very very good way in my personal experience and I know quite a few people that do this again right I haven't got research the points the points to this one um, so you know try it at, at, at your own risk but I found it's personally a good way, just in small, tiny mouthfuls, every hour, hour or so, it's been very good to keep my blood sugar levels up when I haven't been eating much because I need to make weight. So that's, that's the only other nutrition bit of advice I would give. But let's go into um, the last couple of points then in terms of what I think you should be doing leading up to a day, you know, the, the days leading up to a competition. And... One of the things I want to talk about is the power of routine. What are the routines um, or the rituals that you go through in the days leading up to a tournament or the day of the tournament that that you follow to get yourself in a certain mindset? Um, you know, I've heard of stories from football football players or soccer players if you're American that you know the person would always put their their right sock and their right boot on first before their left sock and their left boot that's that's more of a uh, you know a superstitious thing but what I want to, what I mean about the power of routine is that if you do certain things before training before a tournament and they become habit it's not about superstition it's not about thinking you know if I tap my left shoulder three times and then my right shoulder three times and then spin around you know I'm going to be lucky for the day but if you just you know when you when you when you're at a competition and you're 30 minutes out and you're feeling a bit nervous if you've got a warm-up routine as one example if you've got a particular warm-up that you like to do all the time if it's the warm-up that you do before every single class, sometimes just falling into that same routine is going to help relax you because it's familiar. And the more you can do stuff that are familiar to you, it could be a piece of music, um, a certain playlist that you have that you listen to before you go to training. You put that music on, you go through that same warm-up routine, you start to go through stuff that's familiar, I find is a really great way to get back into a more kind of you know more calm and collected mindset. Um, another little routine I have, I picked this up from Ross Nichols, 
because uh, we were competing uh, one year, uh, both competing at a submission-only tournament, and it was a tournament that was going to be recorded and you know aired online. And I turned up, and my gi was all wrinkled and creased. And then we had to have photos taken before, and my my gi looked like a shit show. It was all crumpled up. And he's like, "Don't you iron? Don't you iron your gi? Um, you know, get a, get your iron out, press it, get rid of all the creases." don't you do that before a tournament he said to me and I was like no I pretty much don't iron anything apart from my shirt when I've got to go to work um, but since then he, he, he said yeah I always iron my gi before a big tournament and since then I've always done it and now it's become a bit of a habit for me the day before or the morning of a, to- morning of a tournament I'll get my gi out I'll iron it get rid of all the creases and for me it's just been a really good way to um to relax my mind and relax my body and prepare myself for okay yeah the tournament is today or the tournament is tomorrow it's just another example of a, a little routine and you could have your routine could be whatever you whatever you want it to be but sometimes you know having a routine that is familiar either the day before or days leading up to the tournament or the day of particularly when it comes to warm-up or a certain music that you listen to or certain songs that you listen to can help you get into a familiar mindset um so yeah the power of routine guys don't 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 underestimate them um and yeah I, the last thing i would say about the power of routine is and this is going to lead into my next point about having a proper warm-up when i played rugby we would go through the same warm-up as a team pretty much every day not every day sorry i wasn't training every day but every time we played you go through the same warm-up and you see that on on TV with most, you know, major major sports and major sports teams, that you know they'll go in, they'll do the same warm up. And I know from my personal experience, when you you turn up, you turn up at the you turn up at the rugby club, you get dressed, you go out, and you start doing that warm up, and you know it's game time. It just gets you into that mindset. You know you're there, you're ready to compete, and it just kind of just switches you on. So. I think having some kind of routine and not leaving it up to chance can be you know very very powerful but that leads into my next point is a, a, a proper warm-up now the biggest mistakes I've made at a competition other than trying to tell the ref to award me advantages and then losing the fight at the Europeans because of it um, again know the rules guys you can't signal advantages and keep pointing at the ref to give you points I thought he was. Give, I thought he was. Um, I thought he was giving me the advantages, but he wasn't. He was penalising me. Uh, that's, that's, that's a big mistake for me. But the other biggest mistake that I've made is not doing a proper warm up before going out and competing. I just went onto the mat. I'm someone who's always been fairly fit, and it's only, this has only happened to me once or twice, and it's only ever happened to me when I don't warm up. But I went out there, and after two minutes, I was gassed. I felt like I was in a washing machine and this was a brown belt as well so I was already fairly experienced in terms of competing but my body just wasn't ready to compete my body wasn't ready to go from 0 to 60 in a heartbeat and the shock to the system was just too much I started to gas out my arms were tired I wasn't focused I wasn't thinking Um, and it was a terrible fight and I ended up losing that fight and the other thing is, for any major sport that is 
you know, a high physical physical attribute sport. So I'm not talking about, say, pool or dart or snooker, um, but basketball, American football, rugby, football, um, or soccer. I hate I need to say football and soccer. I'm gonna from now on when I say football, guys, I'm British. When I say football, if you're American, if you're American, I mean soccer. But anyway, think about those sports. Think about all the major sports. They all do a warm up before they go out. They all do a warm up before they go out and compete. They don't ask their bodies to just go from zero to sixty in a heartbeat. They get their body ready. They get their body primed. So it's not a shock to the to the lungs. It's not a shock to the heart. Our central nervous system is wired. So we can react quickly to what is likely to be a very intense first 60 to 90 seconds in that fight. But for some reason, I don't know whether it's because, you know, people are maybe are on their own and they're trying to warm up on their own before a jiu-jitsu tournament. Um, Sometimes it's left to individuals to work out what they do before the fight in terms of the warm-up. It's, not, it's very, very rarely in my experience. There's the coach. And I can talk about from personal experience of coaching people. You haven't got the time to go out and help everyone warm-up because you're scattered, right? You've got to coach people during those fights. So I don't know what the reason is, but there seems to be, for many people, almost a, an aversion to warming up before a jiu-jitsu tournament. And that's, that, for me, is absolutely bananas. There's... I can't quote any research and stats because I can't remember it at the time, but I know there's research out there that shows, you know, doing a proper warm-up has a massive impact on your performance. Um, you know, I'm guessing I, I need to look at the research. probably has a big impact in terms of, um, you know, the potential for being injured as well. For me, from a personal perspective, it just it focuses the mind. If your body and your and your your mind is already alert, your central nervous system is already switched on and already alert from doing a warm up. I just fight so much better. I fight so much better in the fight. I'm ready to go. Um, it's not that situation where your first fight sucks, but then once you get into the second or third fight, you feel better because your body is warmed up. Don't leave that the chance. Do the warm-up beforehand, get your body ready, get your mind ready, get the central nervous system ready, so you're ready to go. As soon as you touch hands and that person goes after you, and you go after that your, your opponent, you're there, you're primed, you're ready to do it. I think the biggest reason I hear from people in terms of warm, not warming up is that they, they don't want to burn out all their energy before the tournament. I'm going to tell you right now, that's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. It's bullshit for two reasons. One, our body stores enough fuel to, to last anywhere between 60 to 90 minutes of continuous, um, I think, mod, moderate level activity. So to think that just by doing a 5, 10, 15 minute warm up, you're going to burn off all of your energy stores for a jiu-jitsu tournament it's bullshit it's not going to happen it's absolutely not going to happen and the other the other point would be that you do how many how many how many times do you train in a week 
what you do a warm up, your drill technique, um, and then you spar five, six rounds. I'll talk about my school as an example, or the, the school that I train at. Every Friday, 10 a.m. class, is an hour and a half class, and all we do is roll for that entire hour and a half with about 45 seconds to a minute in between rounds. We can get through anywhere between 13 to 14 six minute rounds, back to back to back to back. And the number of people that will go through that, yes, it's tiring, but they have the energy to get through all of those rounds. And all the other schools I've trained at, people have the energy to get through five, six rounds back to back. So apologies guys, that, um, that just suddenly cut off. And the reason that suddenly cut off is the recording died on me or that I ran out the recording time when I was driving yesterday. I've already decided that unless I've got a co-driver or a co-pilot in the future, recording a podcast on the road is probably not the best format, but hey, you, you live and you learn. So let's get back into uh, you know the prop, proper warm-up. I, I think you know when people say you know a warm-up is going to burn out too much energy before a competition, uh, I really don't think that's the case. Um, you, you should have more than enough fuel stored in your body. You've got more than enough fitness when you look at how much you normally spar in a week. I think a, a proper warm-up is going to make a, dig, a big difference in terms of how you perform in your first fight. And if you look at any other sports, any other sports that are you know highly physical in nature, they all do a warm-up. Can you imagine an NBA team an American football team, a rugby team, going out and playing a match without doing a proper warm-up. It just, it just doesn't happen. Or someone who's an athlete, someone who's a sprinter, someone who does the 800 meters, they all do a proper warm-up. So to think that somehow jiu-jitsu is immune from doing warm-ups and won't benefit from it, I think is, is a load of rubbish. There are people that like, just like to rock up and walk you know, straight onto the mat. Um, I remember, to use one example, I was fighting Zanji Ibero before the master, in the Masters World two years ago, and he did a couple of bird dogs, which is a really kind of you know static yoga move, and rocked up onto the mat, um, you know, really relaxed. But to be fair, it was Zanji Ibero. He probably could have been sleeping about thirty seconds before we walked on the mat. He was still going to beat me. Um, but it's a, a, a little interesting tidbit there. D different people are different. I think the majority of people are going to benefit from a good warm-up. So get it in, guys. It's, re it's really going to help you um, perform better in your first couple of fights. So what do I do in terms of a warm-up? I like to build up slowly, starting off with maybe just you know, skipping or jumping rope. If there's stairs in the, in the venue, I'll just you know, very gently run stairs to gradually build up the heart rate and get the, um, get the lungs warmed up. And I try to, over a period of about 10 to 15 minutes, gradually build up to an intensity that's about you know, 80 to 85% of my max uh, intensity. And I'll only hit that 80 to 85% for a minute or two. So I feel that my body is, is, is ready and it's not gonna be a shock to the system when I get onto the mat and I touch hands and I go. It, it, do a warm up guys, you know, it's, it, there are a small number of people that won't do it, but for most people it's going to work. But experiment with what is going to be a good style of warm-up um, for yourself. But I think it's probably about time to start start wrapping up um, wrapping up this show. It's actually now the morning of the Masters Worlds. I'm in my hotel, so 
some of the things that you know I'm talking about now are going to be some of the things I'm going to be doing in a couple of hours. And one of the things that one of the, some of the closing points I want to bring out are about dealing with the emotional roller coaster of competing. And I'm going to talk from personal experience, and I don't think I'm unique in this respect. That you know, when you're the, the days leading up to a competition, particularly the day of a competition, it, it can be for me a real emotional roller coaster. You know, I got, at one point I'm listening to my favorite music and I feel on top of the world, and then another minute. You know the voices in your head start going, but you know, are you are you are you going to be good enough to win, or any kind of negative thoughts? Um, and it just goes up and down. One minute you feel brilliant, you you're full of energy. Quite often, I can feel tired an hour or two before the fight. I feel very very sleepy. Um, I I think that's due to uh, probably all the adrenaline that's going through your body, and your body is just trying to get you to relax and to calm back down. And I probably need to look into the science of that. But what I would say is that if you feel nervous, you feel anxious, then it's normal. Everybody goes through that. It's just the adrenaline going through your body. It's that natural flight or, flight or fight response in your body and your body telling you that you're ready, ultimately. You're ready to go. And what I always tell myself is that at this point in time, before, before going on to fight, I've never been better than I am today. My jiu-jitsu has never been better than it is today. There's nothing more that I can do at this point. I've done all my training. I've done all my, done all my physical preparation. My nutrition is good. I've been doing mobility. My body feels great. I just, there's no more preparation I can do at this point. And I always tell myself that, you know, I'm better today than I was yesterday. I'm better today than I was six months ago. So if I'm as good as I am at this point in time as I ever as I've ever been, there's there's no more I can do. And then it's just to just down to going on there, having the right mindset and getting out there and just and fighting and fighting your best. Um, and for me, it's, per, it's personally more important to walk off that mat knowing I've done everything I can to win. I've made the right decisions. I've got into the I've got into the right positions. That's more important to me than actually winning. I'm not to say it doesn't suck if I fight well and I lose, but to me, how I fight and the way I fight is more important than the than the, than the win itself. So that's something that I tell myself, and over time, and this leads into my next point. Over time, you're going to develop. You know the, the own your own positive self-talk, the, the your own things that you're going to use to get yourself in the right mindset and get yourself in the right you know position to have a good fight. And do you know what? It's practice, practice, practice. Like anything, the more you compete, the better you're going to get at it. So all of these things that I've talked about in terms of you know tapering off your training, seeing how your weight reacts what foods you should be eating, how you should warm up or shouldn't warm up if that happens to be a preference. I recommend warming up. Um, but anyway, the point I'm making is the more that you do these things, the better you're going to become at them. It, it, it's common sense. Practice, practice, practice. And I would say, you know, enjoy it all. Enjoy every single moment of the tournament, even the emotional roller coaster, even the times when you're feeling really nervous, you're feeling shit, and you just want to get it over and done with. Try and enjoy all of the experiences. We can, you know, we can play mind games with ourselves and say that, okay, I should have done 
you know, more drilling, I should have practiced more techniques. But I'll give you two really quick stories of when I had less than ideal circumstances. And my point being that the circumstances are never going to be perfect leading up to a competition. You're there, whatever you've got to deal with, just deal with it and, you know, go after it 110%. Uh, one time at a purple belt, the London International Open, I was on a work trip the week before that tournament. I had to fly from the UK to Canada. I was in Canada for the whole week, wasn't able to do any jiu-jitsu whatsoever, wasn't eating great food in meetings all day. I did a little bit of mobility, did a little bit of cardio just to kind of stay sharp, but nothing much. I flew back from Canada, landed, flew overnight on the Thursday night, landed Friday morning in the UK, and then I had one night to sleep, still jet-lagged, and had to go to that tournament the next day. And, you know, I went out there and just didn't really think about the fact that I'd been away for a week and I didn't have ideal preparation, and I ended up winning either two or three fights, but I took gold in that tournament, um, at Purple Belt. And then for the Pan Ams this year, I was driving to, driving to the venue, and checking the times and I could see they'd moved the fights up so I get to the I, I get to the venue knowing them are already pretty late cutting it fine I'm, I'm rushing into the car park as I park and I go into the parking space I hit the car next to me so I start panicking I have to write the note I leave a note on the windscreen of the person's car here's my number I'm sorry contact me etc etc then I had to get a ticket I was running around the parking garage trying to find a ticket. I ran over three different levels trying to find the machine. Eventually got one, ran back to the car, put it on the dashboard. Then I had to sprint through the parking lot, up a set of stairs, down another set of stairs, quickly change into my gear, run through the warm-up area, and my name was in red. If you don't know what that means in IBJJF, then that if your name is in red, you're about to get disqualified because you're late or you haven't, you know, you haven't turned up. And you know, I gave my name, they walked us straight through next to the mat and two minutes later I was fighting. I could have said to myself, shit, oh, now I'm done, I'm not going to win. But you, know, but, you know, I went out and I won that fight. And it's just two examples of what are probably many examples that I think people encounter. You can, you can look for perfect circumstances leading up to a competition, but at the end of the day, it's never going to be perfect. You're there you've done all the training, you've got nothing else left that you can do other, other than just touch hands and go and just, and just give, it, give it your best. So that's you know, the last bit of advice that I would, well, the penultimate bit of advice I would give and just wrapping up, I would say, enjoy it all. You know, if you win and you get that buzz, fantastic. If you lose and it sucks, enjoy it all, right? It's all part of the experience of competitions. You either, you either win or you learn. So, you know, try and enjoy it all, guys. It's an experience that not many people get the chance to encounter um, after they, you know, once they get into adult life, they start working, they settle down a bit. Getting out there and putting yourself out there in a jiu-jitsu tournament is a big deal. 99% of the people in the world are not going to do that. Nine, you know, about 95% of the people that do jiu-jitsu, you know, more, most often don't compete. So, you know, just get out there and try and enjoy it all. So I'm going to wrap it up there. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the show. It's a bit of a different format for me, recording um, in the car and then, you know, now in the hotel. 
So apologies if the sound quality is a little bit up and down. Um, I'll try and edit as much of that out as I can. Um, you know, while you're here, make sure to head over to bjjstrength.com. Check out the free Breathing for BJJ course that we have. Also have some two uh, pre-built strength training programs. If, you're, if you feel like you, you know, the strength training you're doing is not working, it's not complementing your jiu-jitsu in the right way, or if you're new to jiu-jitsu um, and new to strength training and you're not sure how to add it into your game, there are two really good programs that are built specifically to train the movements and the movement patterns that are most predominant in jiu-jitsu and uh, are built specifically for a jiu-jitsu athlete. Knowing that you're going to be training jiu-jitsu four, five times a week, it complements your jiu-jitsu rather than ta um, takes away from it. So get over to the site, guys. Check out those programs. If you like this show, uh, please take the time, take a couple of minutes to rate and review, share it out with your friends, share the, share the, share the love, share the knowledge. But other than that, thank you for listening. I'll speak to you next time. One last thing before you go, guys. It only feels right to tell you how my competition went today. Unfortunately, I lost in my first fight. Lost 2-0 um, on points after six minutes. But as the saying goes, you either win or you learn. I had a game plan. I executed that game plan. Almost scored. Didn't quite come off. I did everything that I wanted to today. But, you know, fought a good fight against a very good opponent. And you know what? I came off second best. Um, I'm happy with how I fought. I'm disappointed to lose, but I know through the process of you know getting to this competition, training for this competition, my game feels a lot stronger. And also, and now I know you know some of the gaps that I need to work on when I get back to training over the next couple of days. So, guys, thank you for listening. I hope if you're listening to this, coming up to your competition, your results are you know you you, you do win, you get past your first round, and you know maybe you get some medals. But anyway, guys, I thought it was it was right to uh, right to let you know. But onwards and upwards, I'll speak to you soon.